and welcome back to another episode of Going Through the Motions with me, Callum. And me, Alex. How's it going, guys? The podcast equivalent of a trapped fart. <coughs> a tra- my, my farts are never trapped, mate. Yeah, I know that. I always let them out. Christ, I can smell them through the Zoom call. Yeah. <laughs> For the, uh, over the approximately three miles away we are from each That's other. That's it. Oh, sorry I was late as well coming here. I realised I'm now well behind time. You're having a, having a gourmet dinner. That did was you it. To, did we had you a have nice to fold, dinner. fold the napkins back up and you know put, put, them, put them back in the basket? Yeah, well, that's it. Whatever it is that napkins live. You know my, uh, you know my routine very well. Um, yeah. and, that, and that is obviously yeah, one of many integral parts of the routine, the whole napkin. And the, the dance, obviously. You forgot the dance. The dance. The, the dance. dance. Uh, you yeah, you the were dance. polishing your gin glass. That's gin what you glass. were doing. Well, yeah. the gin glass is closer to the end of the routine. The dance is at the start. Napkins go. You know this. Why am I telling you? You know my full routine. Yeah, I join in more often than not. More often than not. More or, often, quite often. Well, I mean, quite not, not at the moment. No, not at the moment. No. Not at the moment. No. Through the purpose of dance. You, yeah. you you join us in the medium of it interpretive you yeah. love it yeah no no sorry i was late i had a, had an argument with maddie just there so it's fine don't worry don't worry i won so it's fine <laughs> <laughs> was it an arm wrestle it was because that's yeah. not fair <laughs> it was it was an arm wrestle it was it was a yeah it was a game <laughs> nice alarm no no we were we were just we were just cleaning we we're just cleaning up the kitchen god isn't it monotonous nowadays like i was phoning a friend of mine and uh he he he's an engineer um and uh, shout out to him. i know he's a big listener but he uh <laughs> he goes um he's in, in his engineering work I, he sort of said well there was a, a brief period of time when we were starting to open up and we were doing seven days on seven days off and he goes it's just groundhog day man and i was like oh yeah. god <laughs> i'm like <laughs> the term really the is. term groundhog day has come up in several conversations that i've been part of like it over really has. the is last Ground- is groundhog day on netflix now it was because all the movies went on there. Pandemic went on there. Uh, pandemic did. Yeah, pandemic made, right. the, made the rounds. You can t- because I remember. I, I think I have it on another platform, not Netflix. And when the the actual pandemic kicked off, I was like, "Oh, I may as well watch this." And you know, fear the living daylights and put the fear of living daylights into me. But what's yeah. funny is that clearly someone at Netflix kind of went, "Let's just buy the rights of this on the on the on the sly on the DL and then just stick it out there. And watch how many people panic watch this film." I would I would love to see the metrics for Netflix for for specific pandemic related films over the last couple of months. Do you know what I've thought? I've thought this a few times. I think any analytics from Netflix would be fascinating. Fascinating, like, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Just like the amount of content that they've had over the X number of years that they've been streaming, hmm. and the trends that they'll see in different everyone's profiles and yeah. all that. Like, it must be a great read. Yeah, it must be. Well, as you're saying, we are a movie and movies movie and movies so close you, you, you can tell i'm not used to this i don't do this bit i don't do this bit we are a music and movies podcast we talk about the well movies and music that we like and sometimes ones that we don't like but that's very very rare and we often have to force ourselves to do that but it's but it's always quite funny when we do So it's me up first, and my movie this week is 2014's Christopher Nolan's classic, Not Inception. Right, uh, Starring Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. You all right there? 
Yeah, Anne good. Hathaway. Uh, Michael, any more points than that? No, cool. No, so not okay. Inception is. It... <laughs> uh, no, we, of, co- of course we're talking. It still we're begins with an Interstellar. I. It does begin with an I. Yeah, you're not wrong. An, an do you I remember N. the poster for this? It is an I N. Ooh, I don't know. That's weird. I do remember the po- well, which poster? Is it the one with the spinny spaceship against like Saturn, or is it the one of Matthew McConaughey standing on a frozen cloud? That's my first point. The posters for this movie, I see everywhere. They're kind of like that catchy song that gets in your head. That Matthew McConaughey iconic one on the cloud, the spinny circle, and the teaser poster where it had Interstellar uh, horizontally up the screen oh, like a space I remember, remember that. that. Yeah. Do you know what, though? You're absolutely wasn't, right. I do the... see those posters everywhere. I would never hang one up in anywhere that I lived. Did, when wouldn't. was the last time you hung a movie poster up? Because you were a big oh, fan of I hanging movie, movie posters. Movie posters. For a while. You went not, through that phase. I have not hung a movie poster up in my current flat just because okay. there's already rubbish artwork the go- on. It's the ghost, there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. There, there's the there's there's currently rubbish copies of like watercolors up all over the flat and they're absolute crap and i genuinely can't be bothered taking them out of the frames putting a movie poster in and like storing it somewhere because i asked the landlord he's like no no no, i want them kept they've got to go back up and then i was like oh i don't don't even care i'm just gonna leave them up and it's fine but in every other flat i've ever lived in interstellar posters everywhere isn't it nah mate nah mate and uh Quentin Tarantino and Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Lord of the Rings. I've seen a lot of Lord of the Rings. That Lord yeah. of the Rings poster, the one with the with Frodo with his hands out, like he's got I think popcorn. Classic Bond posters would be cool. Yeah, yeah, the old style ones. You want them in some sort of canvas, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You you want something like um, maybe a wall with a golden frame. gun. I think the man with the golden gun's probably got. Oh, what about what about uh, for your eyes only with the sexy lady with the crossbow and the bum in the air? Mm. You know the poster I'm talking oh, about. My, oh my goodness! How could I? You know not? the one with the big long legs and the V. Goodness. Yeah, that, I know. I, I read an article award. recently about like <laughs> about uh, sexist posters and things like that. There, yeah, a, I know there, the one, I know the one. I read it too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But there's a there, there's a very quick discussion point here. Like, what's the best poster you've seen? We've talked a lot on this podcast about how good some marketing yes for movies have been, and I think we're talking about trailers most of the time when yes. doing that in tv spots and things yeah because i was really I, I was really into movie posters back then so i'm just wondering what your like favorite movie poster was or maybe what you think is like empirically scientifically the best one like ever because i'm sure there's an answer to this so obviously the the whole star wars indiana jones style of poster yeah. is kind of a very famous one of the the kind of almost uh, artistic drawings of the faces and stuff but I, i'm a big minimalist fan personally uh, I, i'm a big fan of um i think like the watchman poster for example that very iconic smiley face badge oh, just with the drop button. blood down it just yeah. the button uh i also on that that sort of side of things i quite like the hateful eight poster with the wagon in the snow yep. and the blood trail behind it I, i'm a big fan of the the minimalist have you had have you, have you had posters hanging in rooms no, um not not film posters no not no no i, I think i used to have uh other weird po- had bunny suicides <laughs> do you remember the bunny suicide poster yeah oh yeah, right yeah things like that see my Just my all-time favorites posters. my all-time favorites are you know the green fellowship of the ring one with mm-hmm. like yes. with like the whole yes. cast and then the ring raids are at the bottom yes yeah 
That's yeah. one of my favorites. And I love the artwork for the original special editions of Star Wars. I think those ones are mm-hmm. gorgeous um, for those, yes. those, those those trilogies. But yeah, that was just a nice little side discussion. 2001 Space, 2001 Space Odyssey had a great one. And actually, I think The Exorcist has a really good one, a very ominous one of just the priest yeah. at the gate. About, I think that one's really quite spooky. Anyway, so Interstellar. Uh, I've got a lot of overarching thoughts on this one, but I'm going to just get straight into the soundtrack for this. We start uh, with Dreaming of the Crash. So the actual soundtrack, I don't think, starts with that. The actual soundtrack starts with... Uh, the, oh, no, it is Dreaming of the Crash, where you have him dreaming of of, of, of the, the, the kind of him and his pilot days, Cooper, yeah. flying. And then... It, it, it slowly builds up that picture there, that kind of waking up with the the morning crescendo as he opens the curtains and he looks out across the cornfields um, as the as the music swells, almost like the orchestra's tuning up together. Yeah. You know that kind of B flat where everyone kind of just and plays the it's same note. I think that's is it an A? Oh, my mistake. I always thought it was a B flat. Nah, uh, orchestras always tune to an A. Ah, so where am I thinking B flat? Is that because that's the natural tuning of a lot of woodwind instruments? Yes. Woodwind, some woodwind okay. and brass instruments are tuned in different keys, so you would say concert A. So concert ah. A is like the standard frequency A equals 440. That's the frequency that orchestras mm. tune at. I wonder, I wonder if that note, that held long crescendo note, that morning note is in the key of A, because... Hans Zimmer, obviously, is the composer for this, yeah. does some very clever stuff yeah. throughout this. I've, this I actually piece. have a party trick for this. I I can sing okay. the, I can sing this soundtrack. Oh, go for it! <laughs> do you not like this soundtrack? Why do you not like this soundtrack? I mean, the resemblance is uncanny. Even you would have to admit that. Are you? No. Are you? Are you a hater of this soundtrack? No, I'm not a hater of this soundtrack. I'm. I. Oh my god. I very flippantly. It is loud. It is very no, no, no. loud. It I, is very I loud. I very flippantly and very ignorantly joke about Hans Zimmer's style in that the biggest thing he did for Hollywood Hollywood film scoring is he turned the bass up to eleven, yeah. which is totally simplifying and is not fair to what he actually does. But it also. <laughs> It, it, it's also not untrue. <laughs> I know what you're saying. I think the 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 Batman trilogy is the kind of the staple for that. That was very uh, big. Yeah, but that was clever for different I think reasons. In, I think Interstellar is a very very beautiful soundtrack, and actually, I I, have a, I hold a special place for this soundtrack. This is probably the soundtrack out of any movie music. This is probably the one that I've listened to the most. I oh, think really? I've tracked listening to the most. I, I uh, during my undergrad and through a lot of my um, studies, listened to this. I think it's a very, yeah. per, I personally think this is a very, uh, a very good podcast that kind of gets you being creative and gets you thinking I'm yeah. an engineering graduate. I was, I was studying aerospace engineering. And so the kind of the, the, this, uh, the twinkliness nature of yeah. some of the small tracks, the soft, subtle building it's, of some of this. I, I, I find it a very engaging It really is to listen to. beautiful, like, sound architecture, I think is a really good way to describe it. Really, like, having that kind of audio campus. Yeah. But for me, personally, and this is, like, just totally my opinion, it's just because I've got a very different attitude 
to listening to film scores than you do. Whereas I've said this before, and oh God, I sound like a stuck record. But when you take somebody like John Williams, right? And you listen to one of his scores, you can see the movie in your head. If, if yeah. you know it well enough, the music is telling the story alongside. Whereas yeah. I really, really like listening to these among the best of Hans Zimmer's scores. But the common factor I always find that when I listen to them is that I find one, two, maybe three tracks out of the bunch because I want to immerse myself in the sound world, not because necessarily I like, I like the whole thing. Do you know what I mean? So that's a re- so that's a really interesting statement. So I want to compare this soundtrack to uh, you and I are fans of Coldplay. We are. They've had ups. They've had downs. Don't, don't at us. <laughs> we know it's cool to hate them. This score of Hans Zimmer scores. If you think of all of Hans Zimmer scores and specifically his ones with Nolan, this score is the X and Y of his scores because I genuinely think that not only is the fact the commonality that the, the organ is is frequent throughout both of those uh you know i guess soundtracks cd yeah, scores okay but you, you you i also personally think that every track on this on this score is good I, I i don't think there's a lull in this this soundtrack at all i genuinely think that and i totally am aware that i'm so biased because this i actually know this score better than the fellowship and i thought i think fellowship was a close second for me no, every single track all the way through the fellowship. There's not a, there's not a dull moment in that soundtrack. But I also think that you know maybe there's some points where this score kind of dips in and out or is very repetitive. But ultimately, I just have such a biased opinion of this yeah. score. I am so biased towards this score. Anyway, um, I, I appreciate we're getting on there. So the first track that I really want to duck uh, duck into is Cornfield Chase. Cornfield Chase is, in my opinion, one of the strongest tracks on the whole score or one of the strongest pieces Hans Zimmer really lays on thick the idea this is an overture because it's that opening sequence where they're chasing the drone through the field in this track on the soundtrack you get all of the main themes that you're going to hear throughout the rest of the movie you get the slow twinkling the slow building uh, when you know she, Cooper and Murph are talking and saying, "Why did you name me after something that's bad luck?" Yeah. You then kind of get the the when when you're looking up the horns pick up that kind of mystical, duh, 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 and then it kind of builds and builds and soars, and then you hear the the beautiful high uh, tre- uh, treble treble clef notes of the organ playing as they're chasing this drone through the fields, and I just love this sequence because this sequence oh, this sequence tells you the story of the film, tells you the story that you know technology isn't really there on the planet anymore. And there's a fantastic line. It's such a double layered line from Murph where she when when it lands uh, after they've taken control of it and she lands it, and uh, and he goes, no, it's been flying for ten years, and and he says, you know, it's it's probably had its brain fried. And Murph just looks at it and goes, can't we just let it go? And I think that's such a beautiful piece because what that in one phrase says is that technology is kind of like the nature you know that's yeah, it's like, the same an, it's way like, that, like a, a dad an endangered species right? exactly it's like a dad looking at a bird or something like that and going no we need to you know with this this bird we need it because we want to learn from it we want to put it in a museum yeah. you know maybe it's a small sacrifice for the species but it's important that we learn and that's kind of his he's trying to harvest it for what he wants for it but she is that very young innocent mentality of you know um 
can't we just let it go? I, I think all of the, the dialogue is great in this. Yeah. I think the dialogue is really, the dialogue is really cutting. And at no point, the, the, at the points where it tells, like, obviously, Christopher Nolan is a master in show, don't tell. But there's the times where he does tell are really important. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's another couple of, there's another couple of quotes that I put down here. My favorite from John Lithgow's character, who I firmly believe is supposed to be our generation. Which I think is a really nice touch. Yeah, think of him yeah. as, as us when we're old. And I think he says to Cooper, he goes, You were either born forty years too late or too early. Yeah. I love that. I love that. That's such a and that's such an important thing because obviously the end, spoiler alert, he's a man out of time. Yeah. He, you know, he, he doesn't have a place anymore. And I think it's such a great a, such a great piece of dialogue. Um a couple more tracks that I want to say in the in the first half of this movie. And this movie is very much a, a movie of two halves, I think. Um, where we've got day one and we've got stay. So day one is that slow introduction to NASA after he stumbles on the NORAD station and he kind of, the, the wall pulls apart and you kind of realize, and it's that marvel. And it's the, again, it's the same. Just, just the kind of, the, the, and it's like the clogs are ticking and it's, and it's things are starting to work. And it's like, you know, come on, let's get moving because the whole point of this movie is time and time is as Anne Hathaway says is a resource what Hans Zimmer does very well is that he a lot of the the ticking or the clocking sounds that you hear so so for example the the the, the piece of music which uh, is called mountains where you have the when he's on the, the water planet in an hour there is seven years you the the prominent clock ticking sound which obviously uh, nolan and hans zimmer use quite effectively and dunkirk has played oh yeah but that's uh, what hans zimmer does very effectively is that he puts uh, the 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 beats of the bar are seconds it's exactly 60 oh, so it's uh, 60 60, be uh, 60 beats per minute 60 per minute exactly and and that's a constant theme throughout a lot of the slow pulsing moments because what that does is it really emphasizes the fact that you know they're on that planet for an hour and every hour is obviously seven years every second counts every second counts yep. in that situation and i just thought it was so clever the way that hans zimmer does that yeah it's a it's um, a it's a confusing movie to track like yeah. things are going on because there's a lot of jargon in it that there's a lot of like science yeah. jargon in it and and a lot of it is there but just while you're on that point about the every every hour is seven years, right? Mm -hmm. How long were they on that planet in their time? Because when they get back, I... the guy on the space station is like, "It's been it's been decades," and I was like, "Yeah, okay." They 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 landed. They had the incident. They got over a wave. And then they went back. They went back up again. Like I would have believed, yeah. I didn't see an event in that whole sequence where I would have believed that they were on that planet for more than an hour. Their their time. Yeah. Well, so so we'll get to this. I think I think that there is a, there is a really great point to make from that is one of many points. I think there's one overarching statement that applies, and that point falls into that category. Um, but I think there was to, to answer your question. I personally think that Christopher Nolan didn't 
deliberately identify any sort of marker to tell that information. He's very ambiguous with a lot of the the messages he sends and a lot of it's open to interpretation. And I genuinely think that if he'd wanted to, he could have added a bit of dialogue to be like, Cooper, we've been here for two hours and we haven't, do you know what I mean? And then, my point is is the setup for the, the, the tension of that mission was we can't spend too much time here. So the so you as an audience member are watching this whole sequence going, how long are they there for? How long are they there for? How long are they there yeah. for? Yeah, exactly. And to our and from our perspective, they're actually not there for that long. Yes, yeah, some stuff goes wrong. Some stuff goes wrong and they're there a bit longer than they wanted to, but certainly not not more than an hour. Certainly not certainly yeah. not more than that. So, well, you know, I, I, I don't really, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Who, who knows how long, they, maybe they stopped a couple of times. And like, now this bit's still water over here. Is there water over there? No, still but that's water. the thing. Just as fucked. I, I, I'm reminded of that bit in 1917. You know where he's kind of fighting a guy in a tower and he has like a blackout yeah. bit and they use the blackout to advance the time. Why yes. couldn't they have just done that? Why couldn't they? Oh, well, why? I had him. Yeah, have them, be not, the have them be not, have them be knocked out on, on a planet like unconscious for something happening you're making. and have them be unconscious yeah. and so they were there for well, much because, longer yeah, I, I see the point you're making because it is very closed ended that sequence from their perspective isn't it you know you see them arrive and you see them leave and you kind of see all the points that lead up to yeah, them leaving 100 percent. it doesn't ever shift off it doesn't shift off them well, at that, all and as i say as i say i've got a kind of overarching point that i want to make to that anyway i need to rattle through this because you know fucking so many points and all that sort of shit <laughs> No, it's oh, I, I, um, I really I was really excited to talk about this movie. It's a great one to talk about. Message Message from Home is another beautiful track on this because that is essentially Hans Zimmer's uh, piano concerto. If you if you can remember that one, that's that beautiful piece of imagery as they're coming up to the wormhole or they're just getting to the wormhole, and it's just the it's just the very uh, distant piano that's played the background and all you can see is this tiny dot moving across the screen and in the background you've got the saturn with its ring around yeah. it and it's just this very the visuals of this is am- are amazing but i think the specific track message from home i strongly encourage you uh to to listen to that track it's just so it's it's lonely it's a lonely track it's just an a lonely piano slowly playing the main theme and just or or the theme of the endurance just tracking across space in this you know plodding through this impossible quest i just think it's a beautiful a beautiful piece of a beautiful piece of music uh some other piece of music before i get on to the main three tracks which i get is the is the obviously the the kind of the 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 clutch piece of music when you think when you hear this piece of music you'll instantly think of interstellar and that's the track s t a y and s t a y plays and it builds when, uh, obviously, they come out the other side of the wormhole and Matthew McConaughey gets the messages from his kids who are now the same age as him. And that's something that I noticed the second time around watching this. And this this is the first point that I have to Christopher Nolan. And usually I, I would criticize his character development in films or the, the way that you can build on emotions of a character. But actually, he does it very effectively. That sequence where he, he you know, he, Murph doesn't get a chance to properly say goodbye to him. Yeah. And that, you know, and, and, and I guess obviously T- Timothy Chalamet and then Casey Affleck, same, you know, his, his That was son. Timothy Chalamet. I watched it oh. and I was like, I watched it and I was like, oh my God, it's Timothy Chalamet. I, of course I, I'll, it is. I'll hold my hand up. I didn't, I didn't read the credits properly, but 
yeah, when he uh, turned into it, Casey Affleck, I thought they didn't de-age Casey Affleck, but no, it was it was good but casting. It was just, wasn't no, it? but across the board, all versions, all versions of those two children were mm. were great and totally believable throughout. And actually, to yeah. to kind of like bullet point one of the points you just made, I would go so far as to say that this Interstellar is possibly one of the most emotional Christopher Nolan yes. movies. Yeah, I think it's his, it's his most character driven. Uh, yeah, despite the fact that the whole concept of it is, I I think this is one of the best examples of modern science fiction that so, that we've had. Because I heard yes. I I went to a sort of layman's symposium type thing in in Hammersmith in in the Hammersmith Apollo at kind of Christmas time. And uh, Professor Brian Cox was there and he was, yes. and he was talking about how they'd talking about cosmology. Was cosmology. It? Yeah. And, and the stars. And he was saying that you've met him, haven't you? Yeah, I did. He's a nice guy. Him? Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was that time, but he was, he showed pictures that just last year, what was he showing pictures of? Oh, well, there was pictures he showed me afterwards, and then there was pictures he showed at the symposium. I'm going to talk about the ones you, that are in the symposium. What do you think of that? Would you like to see a photo of my Big Dipper? <laughs> Christ! I'm so sorry. Oh my! That's days. a black hole. Okay, that's a right. Black hole. Well, speaking of black holes, he, the actual point, the actual point was he had pictures of real of a real black hole which is something that had never happened yeah, for so decades about, for yeah. decades we've always like seen impressions of of black holes and they've been nothing more than the, the, scientists than what they are Sci- isn't it just a black <laughs> but it's the most undescriptive thing in the world isn't it just a black hole Do you want to see a picture just a black paper <laughs> All the images that we've ever seen of black holes in like the last decade have been nothing more than impressions of the science behind them. So it's basically science that's saying, this is what the science of black holes are, therefore they must look like this. But there's never been actual pictures of it until like last until about last year. So in 2019, we actually got a picture of an event horizon and because it only happened last year that is after the movie interstellar came out and interstellar got it scarily right and that's why i'm saying that interstellar is one of the best examples somewhere yeah it's one of the best examples of science fiction is because it uses these very modern theories of uh, space and relativity and gravity and all these things to come up with a, a brilliant a brilliant brilliant story i mean uh, you know the the last example of of which because we've had you know think about like you know science fiction films of like the noughties right you had really mm-hmm. you know one of the best science fiction writers ever isaac asimov who wrote the three laws mm-hmm. of robotics right Mm-hmm. And he wrote the, them these in like the sixties. We're talking like you know in the time of Aldous Huxley and Brave New World and you know all that kind of stuff, right? Mm. But then the movies that they made about that was I Robot with Will Smith, which is a movie that I love, mm-hmm. but it's nowhere near as nuanced and as clever as like the science depicted in Interstellar. Because at the end of the day, it's Will Smith driving fast, punching robots, and saying cool one-liners. 
even though there is some so really cool science fiction to, in there as well. And there's some cool one-liners. Are there any so, cool one-liners in Interstellar? <laughs> Uh, no, there is. There is some really great one-liners. My my personal my personal favorite cues up my favorite track on the soundtrack, which is "No Time for Caution" or Cooper. There's no time for caution, which I love. That's a one-liner. That's one of my favorite one-liners. Oh, I love it. I love it. Yeah, well, they're just like a one-line phrase. Yeah. Like like a kind of you can take that phrase and you can apply it, which we'll get to the robots in a second. The kind of the Tetris robots, which I absolutely love. Oh yeah. The, um, no, they're cool, aren't but, they? But to your but to your point there. But, but to your point there, mate, so the screenplay of Interstellar is actually based on the works of theoretical physicist Dr. Kip Thorne. He described the story as, based on warped space-time, the most exotic events in the universe suddenly becoming accessible to humans. And that being the theory of, uh, the theory of relativity and, 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 and compiling that on top of the singularity that's represented through the black hole. And then meshing that with the altruistic idea that you can at one point find yourself in a tesseract that portrays time the fourth dimension of time as simply as height or as length or as depth and it's and it's yeah. and it's simply amazing not not only to the fact of then you have relativity that 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 just beautifully turns time as the enemy and obviously there is another enemy which again we'll, we'll probably talk about a little bit um, I'm gonna I'm gonna rattle through because I've got some other points to make. So basically, as as I said, though this is the fifth collaboration between Hans Zimmer and 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 Nolan. But but Hans Zimmer was instructed by Christopher Nolan to make a unique score. It's time to reinvent the endless string. Ostinatos need to go by the wayside. The big drums are probably in the bin. Nolan did not provide Zimmer a script or any plot details for writing music for the film and instead gave the composer one page of text that had, uh, that had more to do with Zimmer's story than the plot of the movie. So in Christopher Nolan's opinion, the score, of Han, uh, score composed by Hans Zimmer is the strongest and most powerful that he has ever created. And I firmly agree. Was and that I think said obviously before this was or before after Dunkirk? Dunkirk, yeah. Dunkirk. <laughs> exactly. I know it's said before and after Dunkirk. I personally think that this film and score and Dunkirk film and score are, in my opinion, neck and neck. I can't decide which one's better. Um, several tracks of Hans Zimmer's original score were recorded, as I say, at the tempo of the beat per second, 60 beats per minute, precisely matching the passage of time recurring theme of the movie. These key scenes include the imperfect lock, no time for caution, the docking sequence, and a very uh, and a vary of the portions of stay mountains uh, and the, the track dispatch. So there's a lot of or sorry detached. There's a lot of pieces that are woven throughout there. Uh, Hans Zimmer's score for this movie bears a striking resemblance to his previous iconic theme, Journey to the Line from the Thin Red Line in 1998. So that theme was born out of trial and error. Uh, Terence Malick had been dissatisfied with Zimmer's score and had, uh, and had Zimmer continuously reworked melodies to come up with the various approaches to the music. Thus, Journey to the Line was born. Many of his latter scores, and especially Interstellar, would go on to bear an uncanny resemblance or seem to work as a variation building on that theme. And I think that's a really great point because it very much is a themes building on themes building on themes until you get to the last three tracks that I think uh, that are on the extended edition of the CD. And that is Coward, 
imperfect lock and as we said no time for caution oh god that imperfect lock scene is tense do you want to talk about i mean obviously coward is again i think coward is the yin to the yang of cornfield chase it's the sequence that portrays damon as the villain and it's a really good one but but he's not he's not a villain though is he no, like, but, but he's painted to be such a superhero so that when you bring him back down to earth and you realize that he was just scared and lonely. Yeah, he's a, you know, he's he a tragic, selfish. he's a tra- well, yeah, but it's a tragic character and you kind of have to, you, you kind of have to look at that situation and go, oh, who among us would not have done exactly that in that situation? Yeah, again, I think the the game breaking element of that phrase is that he was in eternal sleep, like he was in hypersleep. Like eventually, he would have just died in there, and he would have died in his sleep. So yeah. really, but he didn't want to die. That was his it. point. Like he thought that he was ready to ready to die, but he I wasn't. Make. Yeah. Well, I I still think that makes him a villain to this. Um, the last point I would just I would just make to that is as well that imperfect lock sequence with the full on organs is just absolutely yeah. overpowering and they were, it's and it's incredible. not it's not a synthesized organ as well i mean i'm i'm sure i'm sure you know but didn't didn't they record all the organ parts in on like a massive like cathedral organ massive in germany church, somewhere yeah, it was a cathedral that's exactly right yeah it's exactly right uh, nothing I'm, can simulate here... nothing can simulate like the scope of that of that noise like when you're when you're properly because it, it's it's not just like you know isolated organ notes as well it uses like the whole range and mm. when you get that there, there's nothing that you know there's a reason why there's organs in every church in every church it's because it's supposed to be this feeling and this sound that's mm. not of this world mm. Mm. and yeah no i completely agree and you know of, of course in cathedrals that's that's you know the divinity that's like it's religious but in this context, it means something completely different, but it's in no way less impactful. In fact, it's yeah. probably more impactful depending on your disposition. Well, I'll say Hans Zimmer's soundtrack was so powerful that many people stated that they cried during the docking sequence when Endurance is spinning and the crew needs to dock their ranger to it. In an initial release of the soundtrack, the full music of that sequence, so that w- that was the imperfect lock and then no time for caution directly yeah, yeah. after it. Um, they they were they were not included in the fu- in in the the full soundtrack. A few weeks after the release of the soundtrack, Zimmer added the music to the soundtrack as a bonus track on the iTunes Deluxe Edition, which how, I often how do you I don't, not I don't add understand that in the original one. How I don't do you... understand. I don't I don't understand. Yeah, no. It's like it's like oh my god how many times are we going to come back to lord of the rings it's like in uh, return of the king battle of pelinor fields the mm-hmm. best parts of the music in even the theatrical edition and actually there's no differences there between the theatrical edition and the extended edition but that's by the by but the best the best parts of the music there are not in the normal release of the soundtrack they're only in the extended edition and I didn't yeah, hear. I don't the, understand why that happens. I don't understand how that happens either. Like I, I honestly, I honestly, honestly don't. Uh, but that's basically it. I've got some other points and notes outside of the music. 
Uh, first one being, I love Case and Lars. I love it because there's no need for those really inefficient looking robots. You could have had just a human robot, like a David from yeah. Prometheus or something in that position. But I love it that it's just those clunky robots with the kind of the different settings and stuff. I thought they were fun. But I also love um, that, like, I it's hate... almost like the yeah. the movie made a point of because when you first see them, you're just like that's a marine because he calls him he calls it a marine the first time you see it and you're like that's a marine surely that's not tactically good surely that's not a design for everything but as the movie can spin pretty quickly exactly (laughs) well exactly and that's that's the point i'm making as the movie progresses you see them do all these things in all these weird and very imaginative ways and i was just like real world real world time who came up with that i'm I'm not saying like who came up with that in the movie as far as like who designed the robots in the movie i'm saying who designed that as a robot for a film who thought that up because yeah no i think i think it's good because you're sniffing only in a nolan film (laughs) only in a nolan film some of the parts of this movie i hate i hate the whole thing of well you know the moon landings were fake i'm like oh the whole hand you're supposed to though kind of you're you're, su- you're supposed know, to hate that and, and and some of the dialogue is just the whole thing of hope oh, we're going to solve the problem of gravity oh you've not you've been looking at the whole thing with two hands behind your back i i, I it's some of it is just it's so it's like i i love nolan's film because they don't treat you like an idiot and then every so often one of these phrases gets thrown and i'm like oh come on like that that's lazy like that's lazy exposition placing and that makes the audience feel like fucking idiots when they kind of you you we're gonna solve the problem oh it really annoyed me yeah I, I think a lot of the parts of this film i didn't like i hate the whole thing of love is a force the whole love yeah. is the force so uh, my my issue with this movie and it's the same issue i had when i watched it for the first time in the cinema is that every single thing that happened science fiction wise i totally believed right up until the point where he fell into the black hole and i was like yeah right okay he's dead well no uh, yeah he's going to a black hole but But then what happens before that it's undeniably very very interesting 100 percent very interesting but it's not believable in any way and i'm like oh you are really stretching it there mate (laughs) You you have hit the nail on the head. I literally have that phrase. Well, actually, I don't have that exact phrase, but I said this. I think this film Nolan uh, overreaches. I think he yeah. overreaches. I think this whole story. There's there's too many points in this film that are unexplainable or unexcusable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I mean, like you 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 said it. Your you said it. You said it yourself with the previous example of the time on that planet. I mean, another point is how can they leave that water planet? You, you saw the palaver of them thrusting into Earth's atmosphere in, in the start, and they admit that the gravity on that planet is three times stronger than Earth. Yeah. So how in God's name can they get the amount of thrust yeah. from the Ranger up there? Do you know there, there's yeah. so many overreaching parts of this one? Yeah, no, um, there there is things... a couple of things. There's one tiny little thing which is really pedantic that I just didn't like. And they made a really big point of having silence in space. Again, this is science fiction. Yes. They're trying to make it as realistic as possible, right? And then, right? Yeah. <laughs> and they made a really big point of like silence in space. So when the imperfect lock happened and mm-hmm. the hatch, the hatch blew, right? Yeah. Doesn't then everything inside then become space and part of the vacuum? 
So why? Well, no, 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 no. It doesn't. No, because how? I mean, if the hatch blows, yeah, then no, all, it's, well, all the pressure, all the pressure's pushed out, right? Yeah, all the pressure's pushed out, and so what's inside them? Because you've got this big hole. You've got this big hole in a space in a spaceship now, and so surely yeah. everything is inside is then part of the vacuum of space. No, 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 no. Because that's not how they design. Sp- <laughs> I I know how they design submarines, and it's the same thing. You, you've got subdivides. You've got airlock chambers. Well, that, I know, that, I know, not all of the, it. That's the design. I know not, I know not all of it, but yeah. But they went into a bit that was ex- that that was exposed to yeah. space, weren't they? Because they had to go. They had to go through. Yeah, that and bit. half of the and half of the endurance is blown up. Half of it. Yeah, is blown half up. of the endurance they, is blown up, and they go into a bit that it's half blown up and so i'm assuming is then in so facto part of the vacuum of space so why can i hear alarms uh oh it's in oh no come on not that whole you can no. hear stuff in space yeah i, I no but yeah, the I know, movie I know makes a point making. the mo- the movie makes a point of that not being a thing because it it's been it's almost like an in-joke when you look at space movies of the past, right? Because even Star Trek, and Star Trek is science fiction, but, you know, they still have explosions in space. Star Wars is not science fiction, and I'll fight anyone that tells me that it is. But they, they have explosions in space and all this other stuff as well. So, you know... You, Rom-com, you see... isn't it, Star Wars? Definitely. So you see a movie like Inter- Interstellar kind of make a point of these things and you kind of get a feeling that it's having a dig at all those other uh, yeah. at all of those other things but then it fucks up <laughs> well i mean it, it did but it didn't take inspiration for those it took inspiration for 2001 space odyssey as well which yeah was the which was the um just before we just before we finish off here um i think there's three things that by and large nolan does i i, I don't think he i think he always struggles to do thing number one i think he always struggles to end the movie I think he very much struggles to film fight scenes. And I'm not saying about choreographing. I'm saying actually get the filming of the fight scenes. <laughs> and I think he really struggles to uh, have non-abrasive human characters. This film falls victim of all three of those things. And those things, so for example, Inception falls file of two of those things. You don't care about the characters and the, the fight scenes are... Oh, no, actually, the fight scene's pretty damn good in Inception. But, but I the know end, you but weren't ending, about to say that the Inception the ending, fight scenes and the, were not good. But the ending's, the ending's very good. But then if you look at the, the, the Dark Knight films, I just think that some of the fight scenes, I think they're choreographed beautifully, but I think they're filmed probably not that well. And... You know, sometimes he he finishes a movie perfectly. D- Dunkirk is a wonderful ending. Inception is a wonderful it? ending. I think Dark Knight Rises is a horrendous ending. I think Interstellar, I think this is a horrendous ending. I think there's some much clever ways that you could have ended those films. Yeah. Um, look, this film is not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. The soundtrack is perfect to fit an imperfect movie um i think this film would have actually been more effective as a six or ten part mini series i think by Mm. splitting it up because there is clear cliffhanger stops and finishes things like when they enter the wormhole when they get to a new planet when they go into space the first time i think there's a more effective way of telling this i disagree with that i I disagree with that i think as soon as you I think a big, big, big part of this movie is the immersion from beginning to end. And I think the visuals, 
because you know you get all these shots of space of saturn of the wormhole of gargantuan and all that and you're and you're you've got all these amazing visuals the, these mountain high waves these amazing yeah. visuals and you're just from start to finish you're in awe because you've never seen anything like this on the big screen but, but before think... and the same and i would say the same for the soundtrack you've got this huge huge score with this massive organ like painting this you know the, the this sonic landscape of the heavens as it were that's mm. the like the best thing yeah I, and, I, and i'm so. like could you jump in and out of that I no, don't I think, think I, I could jump in and out see, of that. See, I, I think what would benefit is that ten part miniseries. But so, so, but but you have all these amazing visuals, but they're actually very divided when you watch the film. When you watch it, the whole space and Saturn piece that could be one amazing, you know, forty five minute hour long visual. That the ice planet could be one, the water planet could be the other. And what you would do is having a ten part miniseries, you could flesh out and really answer some of these points. And you could develop the relationship a bit more. You could really emphasize the fact that, you know, Dr. Bran, Anne Hathaway's character, you know, is, is scared and is lonely. And that whole, the, the piece that she loves, um, not Dr. Man, the other, I forget, the Ailsman, or yeah. I forget, the final planet that she goes to. And, and I just think that the ending of this is a bit, it's good, but it's not great. The one good thing about the ending is when Murph kind of goes to him, you know, like I've got my own family here, yeah, and she she doesn't she doesn't pawn over this man, you know, she is a still she's bitter at him, and she always has been bitter at him, yeah, for, for the decision to leave. Yeah. I, I like that. Anyway, we've gone along enough. Um, yeah. There's no doubt in my mind this is one of the easiest two thumbs up I've ever given. Yeah, I'll give it. I'll give it two thumbs up as well. Like the, the, the there's things I find annoying about it, but it, it's it's miraculous. I it, it's it's it genuinely it's genuinely stunning, and it's two thumbs up, hundred percent. Would you say it's out of this world? Oh, I think I might. I would think I might. Say, would you say it was written in the stars? Well, that's a bit cheesy. Would you say? Would you say it's planets and stuff? yeah what am i doing oh yeah one of the greatest movies of all time empirically do you not find that do you not find this movie at the top of almost everyone's list empirically as in like this one <laughs> empirically the, i don't think that's a movie, movie. <laughs> right in if I'm right, right right in if, if empirically is a movie i no. bet that's like no that's a nolan title isn't it because it's interstellar inception empirically <laughs> <laughs> yes for people that can't spell <laughs> incubator <laughs> No, you're you're not wrong. It's the top. I mean, obviously, famously, this movie has held the the top spot on IMDb's top 250 yeah. movies of all time list for quite a while. I mean, yeah. that's probably been about a good decade. It's been at the top of this this list. Shawshank Redemption, think, if you're if you're Shawshank wondering. Redemption, of course. <laughs> I, I I think I think it's I think that one rattles a lot of cages actually because some people it's been at the top so long. I think people now kind of go, why is it the best? Oh, looks, just watch it. Anybody that asks that, I'm just like, just watch it just just yeah. go just go and remind yourself because i feel like you do need to remind yourself because there's not anything 
you know, especially groundbreaking in all of it. Not technically, it's just incredibly oh, well acted. Yes. Yeah, exactly. But it's just it's beautiful in its simplicity. Yeah, it's the storytelling. It's simple story. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a film that you can follow. And actually, you know, obviously there's a few crude moments in it, but it is for. It, I would say it's an older family film. It's a family film. You, yeah. you know, as teenagers, you watch with your parents because obviously some yeah, of the themes right. are very dark. Yeah. And and I think it's, I think it's, it's, it, it starts at that end, and you watch this throughout your life. There's no point yeah. in this movie. Yeah. Honestly. Not yeah, I, I, I will continue to watch this movie on a semi-regular basis. I'm not sure if I watch it every year, but maybe every other good, year. Yeah, I think it's an every other year one for me. I mean, it's a long film. And, and you you actually, you know, you describe yourself as somebody who doesn't really like to re-watch movies. I don't, know, but I think the journey that you go on when you watch this movie is a really important one, and I think it's an utterly uplifting film it's the themes and the small i guess like for lack of a better word i find this film to have quite a lot of small mini stories inside of it yeah you know you've you've got the you've obviously got the the tale of brooks uh which is an incredibly tragic tale you've got the tale of tommy how yeah you know he's teaching him in this go and i think it's i think there's so many of these little it's a it there's so many little stories within a huge overarching theme story yeah. that continues yeah. and that's what makes it very rewatchable that's what brings out because you, you can't you know you don't you remember the whole film or you remember your favorite aspect of this film but every time you rewatch this it's not intentionally an onion film but there is an incredible rewatchability for this. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm always so engaged when I watch it. Always so engaged. Mm. Oh, I've got a fun fact for oh, you yeah, about this movie. Yeah, um, when you put Shaw into IMDb, the first thing that comes up is Fast and Furious Hobbs and Shaw and not Shawshank Redemption. Do you know what? I actually discovered that like this morning <laughs> after I watched it and I Googled it. I did actually discover that. I didn't like, I, I didn't pay it any mind. Like, I don't think it's, it's. I don't think it's just. I don't think it's just IMDb. I think when I searched for it on on Apple TV, I think yeah. I I put in Shaw and it just went Hobbs and Shaw, which it's, I've still not seen and I really want to see. It's nine point three on IMDb and nine. What Hobbs like, and Shaw? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jason State Jason Statham cutting about that scene, pissed off at everyone. No, Shawshank Redemption is nine point three. I mean. Can can you can you uh, can you critique it? Can can you can you give us a flaw? Um, he digs an awful long. I think he gets into that pipe pretty quickly for one night, doesn't he? That shit pipe with the rock. Yeah, you, you got to imagine that. Yeah, Con been, continu con continuity error. Um, uh. he, when, when he sticks his face, when he sticks his face in the pipe, and you're like, well, that's that hole's big enough for a face, but it's not big enough for a body, mate exactly exactly well i mean i think just just some fun facts for this some other people who also agree with us uh morgan freeman this says this is this is his favorite film he's ever made stephen king says this is the best book adaption movie i mean yeah. it's it's those those are some huge huge names there yeah it's interesting i mean Steve, stephen king is just such a versatile writer isn't it because i think most mm. of his famous most famous properties are you know his his horror right mm. and his supernatural mm. stuff but there's none mm. of that in shawshank but have you have you no. read um have you read it no i mean it was it was obviously it was 
it was Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption was the yeah. book that was, and it was obviously about. But no, I think it was a short story, or was it? An yeah, it was a short. Novella? It was a short story, and that really surprised me because, obviously, when well, maybe not obviously, but I feel like most people, most people's relationship with the Shawshank Redemption is they'll have seen the movie first, mm. right? I'm not. I yeah, wouldn't be. Yeah. I wouldn't be wrong in assuming that. And also, he's got a good deal out of that because typically it's the other way around. Typically, it's a full long book an incredible book series has been squashed into one film well exactly so actually he's done really well no but it. exactly like it's a short story but like i saw the movie first and it's it's two hours and 25 minutes long it's not mm-hmm. you know it, it it's mm. not short it's not a short no. movie and it's got and as you say it's got a lot of weaving a lot of moving parts now i will hold my hands up and admit i've not I, i've still not read the book so it's not it's not a case of what did you do first. I've I've still not read the book. Mm. But I'm inclined to think that maybe some of the subplots and characters maybe are unique to the film and don't exist yeah. in the book. Yeah, I, I think I think so. I mean obviously I've not read it ourselves and we don't do any research on the show and that's kind of our forte. <laughs> but but I would I would say that's a fairly blank a fairly blanket statement uh, that yeah. you could probably put out there. Yeah. Well, uh the music was composed by Thomas Newman, who we have talked about before. What did, what was the last Thomas Newman one we did? Oh, it was Saving Mr. Banks, wasn't it? Mr. Banks, yeah. Yeah, Saving Mr. Banks. And I think the music for for the Shawshank Redemption is possibly one of his finest scores for how clever it is. Hmm. It's yes. got it's got this soaring piece of music at the end. You know, so was red, and the end credits. You know, sorry to mm. jump in at the end, but like that's that that I think is what people remember it for. Like mm. Mu- mm. musically, is that oh, yeah. that that moment where red is walking walking along the beach, and yes. the and the Pacific is impossibly blue, and yeah. you're just like it's such a great happy ending. And what what. I love the fact that this movie has a has an amazing happy ending. Well, it's it's the theme of this movie is hope, and that's yeah. the last word that's said in the movie. And it it's it's perseverance, obviously, and a, an undercover perseverance, and a, and a, and yeah. an, obviously an overarching perseverance. You know, yeah. they're both going through their own um, struggles, their own their own trials. Um, you know, literally with Red trial each year when he, you know, he gets put yeah. up for probation and, and is rejected so often. And obviously Andy, who's starts starts very much as an outcast, weaves his way in, becomes with a family. But you know, he's he's obviously he's only giving he's only giving everyone in, in the prison a, a small percentage of who he is as a yeah. person because he's doing so much underneath. But yeah. as you say, you know, it's it's the hopefulness of this movie yeah. is, is incredible. The film is unique in that sense because I think so many of these pick yourself up by your bootstraps and like you know you'll make it in the end type movies mm-hmm. are have a lot shorter term gratification. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like this movie takes place over decades. Yes, decades. it does. Yes, and it's yes. some and it's sometimes really hard to say. And I think this is one of the points of the re- rewatchability on it because I don't think that the fact that the movie spans decades really hit home for me the first couple of times I watched it. I really think that just perception wise in my head, maybe it was 
six, seven, eight, eight years. Up maybe At maybe best, up to yeah. maybe up to ten years. Certainly mm. not. What what is it like thirty for red? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it, I mean he doesn't really show it as much. I think no. the, the, it, it, it's 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 not as visually representative as as I think emotionally representative of that because it, it's it's uh, you know like. Um, Tim Robbins, I think it was Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman have gone on to describe this story as very much uh, a non-sexual love story between Red uh, and um, Andy. Yeah, I can in, see in that. A kind of, it, it is a love story of, of, yeah. of you know, real, um, because they, it, it's, I guess it's more than friendship. It's kin, kinsmanship. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's the closest thing you can have to a soulmate that is in yeah. no way sexually related. And that is because that's what they are to each other. They are soulmates. Yeah, yeah. And you see that at the end when that all comes together. Yeah, no, it is good. But it is interesting because the, the film plays with this idea that, you know, when you get put in prison, your life's over, right? That that that's what is said at the start of the movie. That's yeah. that at the start of the movie, Andy Dufresne comes into prison, and the and the the fat guy cries, and and fun every, fact for you, everything is like your life's over. Go on. Do you know who auditioned for that part as the fat guy? Who auditioned fat for the fat guy? Uh, John Favreau actually auditioned for that part. Oh, yeah, didn't get it. Oh, I'm, I'm kind of glad. Obviously, <laughs> no, 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 right? Obviously, yeah. But I think he would have nailed that part, though, wouldn't he? Yeah, I well, he nails everything. We love John Favreau on this podcast. I could see him nail that. Yeah, I could see him nail that because he's got, he's got. I mean, obviously, the chat. I don't know who the chap was who eventually cast. I'm sure I could look. Up. I've got my phone. He would have been too comedic, mate. It would have been too comedic. He's got a nice. You could. You. You would have. I think it would have felt more because he's got a really charismatic face and his emotions carry quite a lot in his face. That would have made it a, a far more harrowing scene. And not only because the fact, because we've seen him in almost every single Marvel movie since. Yeah, no, that, that too. But I think the point I was trying to make was these men's life are, is, is over, right? And the movie obviously by the end unravels that and says, no, there is hope at the end of this. There is salvation at the end of this. End of this. There is redemption at the end yes. of this hello there is shawshank at the end of this yes, there, there is a shank of shaws oh uh, a, shank, a shank of shaws could you imagine that a bit with, a, with a lamb shank the lamb shank redemption he's walking along the beach he's just walking along the beach trying to get Morgan sean connery to say that that'd be quite you go, <laughs> lamb shank redemption but i think the, the passage of time the lamb shank redemption <laughs> amazing the lamb shank redemption Lego lamb. <laughs> the world changes around them, doesn't it? Because oh, you cut out there. <laughs> what are you saying? The world changes around these men. The world does. Yeah. So no, their totally life is does. over, and and they don't really change throughout the movie. Which is why when you look at just them, it's it's hard to tell. But then Andy goes into prison in what the mid to late thirties. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. Late late point, 30s, yeah, late 30s, late 30s. Oh, no, early 40s. Okay. Something like that. Yeah, something like that. And then when... Oh, I've forgotten his name. The kid. Red? No, the kid. The, the kid, kid that gets shot. Oh, uh, Tommy. Tommy, yeah, Tommy. Tommy comes in and it's the 60s. Other fun fact and he's there. clear And he's clearly Elvis. Like, he well, is. Well, yeah, so... Rock and Rolly, he's clearly Elvis. Pitt. It was supposed to be Brad Pitt that was going to play. Really? Him. Bloody hell. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. But like, sorry, that was another but thing. the point is, there must. Yeah, be, he is Elvis. He right. he is quite clearly Elvis in that, and I think, and I think that's very deliberate to show the passage of time to see, like, you know, this young this young man come in who was probably only like a child, like a small young child when Andy first entered prison, and they just kind of like really signpost that passage of time. But anyway, on to the music finally. Mm-hmm. Um, during the prison during the early like act of the movie in the prison you've got the the music's really bleak isn't it it's it's quite low yeah it is yeah it's quite low and it's there there's an idea of american classical music right that's built on pentatonic mm-hmm. harmonies right which means dealing in open fifths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the do do do. Yeah, yeah it, it deals in open fifths, and where that really came from is actually Czech music, because there's a really famous Czech composer Anton Vorjak, and he wrote a very famous piece called okay. the New World Symphony, which you've definitely heard. Like everyone's heard this piece. Yes, I have heard that, and actually, now that you say it, yeah. I I think we talked about this before. Yeah, and he wrote. And he also wrote a string quartet called the American String Quartet because he was very, very popular in Czech and he he basically got a job in America and he was like almost hired to, at that time, to create the sound of America. And he succeeded, you know, he created this very patriotic Mm. because when I say he was a classical composer, it's not strictly true. He was more of the romantic and nationalist kind. So he was was really good at painting patriotism and nationalism through music. And in those two pieces, the New World Symphony and the American and the American String Quartet, he really solidifies that kind of pentatonic harmony as quintessentially American. And what that became was people like Aaron Copeland, who was an American composer in the early twentieth century, and he also used a lot of like pentatonic harmonies and and you know slowly through that progression you get that pentatonic really ingrained in you know the sound of america and then you kind of think well then okay if that's mm. the sound of america what does america represent and maybe maybe ironically at the current time america's supposed to represent freedom right is is one of the founding founding things of yeah, of, sorry. of america I, like I, the I, land, I, the I land of the free i agree right yeah so what's really interesting about thomas newman's score is he uses that same kind of pentatonic harmonic structure but it's distorted yeah it's distorted in the beginning it's dark and it's brooding and it's not it's not free yet and i think yet is the important thing because you you get the sense that it's I, i would very much recommend listening to like the first is it the first or second track on on the album Shawshank Prison the Stoic theme and mm. and May yeah literally the first track on the album May and then Shawshank Prison and it's really dark and you can still hear those pentatonic harmonies but again it it it's not pure it's not pure enough yet and then that becomes Soul was red and the end credits when they're at when he's at when they're actually both free. Mm, and mm. that's what and that's what I feel is most clever about this 
going through it. And do you know what? It, it's it's like the one big point that I have for the whole of the Shawshank soundtrack. And there's very little there's very little else to say about it because a lot of the other points in the movie you know they're they're not scored like it's a drama so much of this is spoken word without any yeah background music yeah without any background music what you're watching yeah exactly and the the soundtrack itself is not exactly is not really that long and i think a lot of it really plays on that idea but there's Mm. one very 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 famous scene in the shawshank redemption and that's to do and that's the italian opera scene Yes. Now, uh, and, fun fact for you, this actually wasn't in the book. This was completely created for the film. Okay, so this was one of those bits we were talking about. So I about. do I do know that one. I do know that one, yeah. Okay. But, I mean, it's such a famous scene. And for a really mm. good reason. Like, it's... I, I, read an, I read an article on Facebook the other day. It was, it was really quite interesting. And it was uh, by a young composer in an American university. And it was sort of a cultural response to, you know, a lot of things that we've seen going on in the world at the moment. And mm-hmm, of he, and uh, yeah, and he was basically saying that uh, conservatories of, mu- of music spend, you know, they, they, they put classical music up on this pedestal. And actually all that is, is an extension of white European, white European kind of, um, what's the word i'm looking for sovereignty is what is what is what is what i'm saying like like we look at composers like bach and beethoven and mozart and we say well this is the pinnacle of human musical Mm -hmm. achievement and there's nothing that will ever be better be better than this and and you know he it's quite a long facebook post and it basically says how can we expect you know people of certain demographics to understand you know classical music when we don't understand like half their music and it comes culturally from a very different place and it's a very interesting point mm-hmm. that he makes but he totally rad goes on a really radical angle where he says that like we should really stop with the classical music and that it's had its time and yada 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 and then well, i, I think watched... he's right for one thing and then i watched <laughs> shawshank redemption this morning yeah and then i went nah you're wrong you're totally yeah, wrong I, I and for no other and for no other reason than from what morgan freeman says while this is happening where he says i have no earthly idea what those two italian ladies were singing about and to tell you the truth i don't want to know i assume like some things are too beautiful to be put into words and he's saying this while you're listening to this music and you're like that's the point it doesn't matter that you don't understand it it's Mm -hmm. so beautiful and you and you see these shots of of all the prisoners in the yard and also apart from the guards that are trying to batter the door down the the guards in the infirmary and in other places all stop what they're doing and listen yeah and you see all these prisoners suddenly be their their souls are free if if their bodies are not free and they're in prison but th- their imagination and their souls are free and it pay, it captures that idea perfectly and that and and i was like right yeah that's why you're wrong here because i'm not saying that there's not those ideas about you know about western classical music being better at you being the pinnacle of musical achievement i'm not saying that that's 
you know, that those ideas aren't there. But I think to completely dismiss it is ridiculous and completely missing the point. Well, Alex, I'll back up that statement uh, that you said about their souls are free. Uh, while he was writing the screenplay, Frank Darabon was, was actually getting into opera himself. Yeah. When he felt trapped in the writing process, Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart's The Marriage of Figaro would lift his spirits. Yeah. So he, he listened to that an awful piece. lot. It and, is and an as you absolutely say, stunning piece. It, 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 it has influenced... It has it, the, the beautiful music that is generated in that opera. It, it was used to influence Frank Darabont when he was writing the screenplay, and and it's so clear that this wasn't in the book, but he felt that, like he physically has felt that, and has captured that feeling yeah. so wonderfully in this film. Yeah, and you know, and and I struggled to decide. I was, and I think I still, I think I'll leave it up to you. I haven't decided whether or not it's a good idea for me to tell you what they're actually singing about because the point of the scene is that it doesn't matter yeah isn't it isn't it like do a, you want to know like a comedy what are they singing about well there's the point there's the point should should i say or should i just be like no no no. let's no. just have this picture perfect i like idea of what this what this represents why don't why don't we do a beautiful compromise and you don't say on the podcast but you text me after <laughs> as right, as okay. Frank Darabon okay. and uh, well, I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll leave that. But su- but su- suffice to say, it, it's it's it, what what's actually happening in the scene in the opera is very very different than how it's portrayed in the movie. But in a way, I think I think that's more powerful because you're yeah. just listening to you're just listening to sonic waves, right? And you you take what you want from it and okay it's an it's an italian who cares like really who cares like it doesn't matter well the and italians that, you know, care they love well, it the, the, the italians care the italians care like they, they're watching shawshank redemption they're going that's what you got from that <laughs> that's what you got from Yo. that but no Completely different. I I don't know I don't I don't know what I don't know what you feel about that the role of classical music and how it's portrayed in that scene. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, it's it's how it's. I don't really have any observations on how it's portrayed in that scene. I just think it's it's uh, sorry in terms of uh in terms of uh backing up whether classical music has a place in the world or not. I just think it's absolutely mag magnificent that scene. I think it's absolutely wonderful. Um, I, it captures it captures the essence of for a very for a very uh, for a, for a very amazing couple of minutes. These prisoners are no longer in prison. They're 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 free. They're free yeah. again. Um, also, I, I won um, I won a, a second place in a pub quiz because I correctly identified this as a, a piece of music from the Marriage Figaro. Very nice. Uh, so uh-huh. no, that's go. really good. That. That, that's really very very good. Um, that's uh. Like musically, that's kind of all I have on. Oh wait, no, there's one more thing. There's a Hank Williams song, but I've got nothing to say about that. <laughs> oh really? Nothing? <laughs> nah, I'm not a big fan of yodels. What can I say? <laughs> yeah, that's the one. A yodely hodel heidel, a yodel hodel ho heidel hey. A yodel hodel hi ho hey. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But hard two thumbs up for me for this. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's. It's not 
uh, it, it's not a conventional two thumbs up in the sense that music and scoring and soundtrack isn't present throughout. But when it's used, my God, it's used effectively, the music. Yeah. Uh, Thomas Newman holds his nerve throughout a lot of this and the scoring of this and actually applies that minimalist and 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 really cares the fact that this is a drama piece uh and and i and i and not a not a motion picture um as probably he's more familiar with 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 scoring for i i agree incredibly solid two thumbs up yeah didn't win the oscar that year but it was nominated it didn't but it was a tough year that year it was pulp fiction was that year you had i think uh, forrest Nin- gump that 95. year 95 was it oh was that 94 so it was forrest gump uh, jurassic park was the year before that was 94 uh what else was there around about that time yeah i think it was pulp 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 fiction shawshank redemption forrest gump i'll let you have a look at it i can see the reflection in your glasses yeah yeah i'm, 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 I'm looking it up Nice. Fine, you, you can you, you can cut this so it sounds like I had it open the whole time. Definitely not going to do that then, <laughs> right? Because <laughs> I have the power of the edit. You do, you do. <laughs> I have no say in it. I know you haven't listened back to some of the episodes, have you? I've made you sound like a right fool. <laughs> I've listened to a few of them. <laughs> I was thinking this the other day, actually, as a fun side note. I've got almost every single inflection that your voice and your voice box has ever made or can ever make. So in theory, I could totally um, file you for fraud over the phone if I was able to correctly manipulate all of your words that you've said over the past 20 or so episodes uh, into a perfect coherent sentence and use it. (laughs) Best original... Dramatic score it says Sense and Sensibility, Nixon, Braveheart, Paul Thirteen. Yeah, that was ninety five. It was ninety four. Oh uh, yeah. It was it was released I think in early to those uh, early ninety four. Oh, you'll know. Do you know who won it? It was was it Forrest? Oh, Forrest Gump. <laughs> no, Forrest Gump was in there. Thomas Newman was in there twice because Lit- Little Little Women, the first one. <laughs> who won it? Hans Zimmer. Did he with what? The Lion King. Which I can't be I can't be mad at that. I can't be mad at that. It's my favourite Hans Zimmer score. Okay, moving forward. Yeah, let's. Uh Alex, I think you said you had some interesting things to move forward. I do, yeah. It's, it is interesting that like we all we, we say moving forward section, but it's actually just shit that we've watched like in the yeah, last shit we've few watched days. Recently. Nice things. Uh, uh, just one thing that I've been really enjoying. I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago. No, no. Before like, we before the... we get onto that, before we get onto that, you had another thing that I cut you off about on uh, last week's episode, the weekend episode before that. Oh, what was that? Oh, Your was that theory. the Captain America theory? Yeah. I've been nah, waiting. But yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm thinking I'm thinking I might save it for uh part two. You tease. Are you you I actually know. serious? Yeah, are, I'm gonna save it for part such, two. You're such a cock tease. Yeah. <laughs> I try. I try. Okay. Uh, right. No, no, no. I was just saying one of the things I've been I've been really enjoying is all these bands doing live stream concerts. Yes. Stuff like that. Did you watch the one I sent you, Dreamer Circus? Uh, I didn't watch it, but you sent it at a weird time and then I forgot about it. I think I was doing oh, something. Oh, fair enough. I, I, I totally highly different. recommend that you do it. Dreamer Circus, okay. for the listeners that aren't aware, 
is a folk trio, a modern folk trio from Denmark. And I'm a, I'm a real fan. And they, they launched a new album last week. And to celebrate, they did like a, a backyard fire mm. live stream concert where they played the whole album and a couple of encores as well. And they were just sipping oh, wow. beers and like has this amazing Scandinavian sunset. And it was like all done by like a videographer. Like it was like proper professional video production live stream. And it's just the most wonderful thing. One of the most wholesome that sounds things. incredible. And I watched it and I watched it at the same kind of time of day that it was happening with them. So the sun was in like similar parts of the sky. And so it was like mm. you were engaging with it. Like you could have you could have done it done it live. Unfortunately, I couldn't watch it live, but it's all on YouTube and I highly recommend you go you go watch it. It it's was about... almost like you were at the campfire and it was almost like for a hot second you had friends. Exactly, exactly. And they're so rare. God, God, God no, knows I, I don't have any at the moment. The album, oh, the the album was good though. The album was good. I, I oh, I good. You got through the it. New album, and I thought it was yeah. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was really, really nice. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's. Uh, I, we talked about video games at the start. I'm replaying Red Dead Redemption, and it pairs beautifully with the beautiful wilderness oh. of the trees and the forests with that. Do you know what? Scandinavian totally folk scene. That. So that's a little recommendation for I you. I do, I do totally yeah, get beautiful. that. But yeah, if um, yeah, if any listeners are, are are keen to delve into that, the there's a wealth of material there, and you will not be sorry. I promise you. But the other, mm-hmm. but the other thing I I uh, engaged with this week was actually a. Uh, series of books from my childhood by anthony horvitz called alex Ryder, and there was a tv series released this week on amazon uh, alex Ryder, that was based yes. on the second book of the series point blank now did you read these books oh, when you grew up Cal? so 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 f- first thing i'll say was um no so the answer is yes i read all of them i read all i think all, all of them up till archangel i didn't read archangel i think i read because i remember scorpio was the oh, newest man, one for man, a that's while, like half then, the series that, yeah i know that's and like then archangel half the series. happened but i but i i was a big fan of skeleton key big fan of point i think point break yeah. was my favorite uh obviously stormbreaker was obviously great but what what was interesting about this is there was no marketing for this to my memory it just kind of dropped right didn't it? i i remember i remember seeing something about it a few months ago right mm. and then it just arrived without any song and dance and you know i watch i watch more netflix than i do than i do amazon mm. but you always see adverts for marvel's mrs Maisel, for man in the high castle for the grand tour for all these staple shows right mm. and i didn't hear anything for alex Ryder. i actually um got reminded of, of of it on a facebook group that we're both in that's part of another podcasting network oh yeah yeah and somebody somebody posted about it and i was, I was like shit yeah no i'm gonna watch that so i watched it it's seven episodes seven or eight episodes mm. i think it might be seven it's good now it's answer good. answer me this. I remember there's a very s- a specific action sequence that took place in that movie, where he snowboards down a mountain on an ironing board. He does indeed. He does, he indeed. does indeed. Is that is that they keep that in the TV series? Do they? They keep it. They keep okay, it. Okay. Anything I, need to watch I it loved. I love that oh, bit in the book. I I highly recommend that you do because the, the, there was a movie that was made in the noughties on yes. this. It starred Ewan, Ewan McGregor and Damian Lewis. Yes, and uh, Mickey Rourke. Mickey, Mickey Rourke. Rourke is the bad guy. If you Missy Pyle it. was in it as well. Yeah, and it's insane. 
It's so bad. Stephen Fry. <laughs> I thought yeah, it was Stephen good. Fry. I thought it was good. Bill oh, Nye. It's not good. It's I loved it. It was good. one of my it's... favorite movies. It was definitely very, very young James Bond esque. Like they were trying no, but to throw that. That's. One. But that's what I loved about the book series, though. I loved in the book series how he had the gad he had the gadgets and it was like sleuthy and he like never killed anyone. It wasn't action. It wasn't. It wasn't Jason Bourne. No. It was very, very much. <laughs> Could you imagine James Bond, <laughs> this thirteen-year-old kid just garroting folk left, right, and centre? Absolutely. Like, yeah, but then, <laughs> but then I was thinking about it and going, just that ridiculousness, yeah, makes it very, very hard to translate onto onto the big screen. But you know what? I think they did as good a job as they could have done in this TV series. And that's very telling because I don't think it's perfect, but actually okay. on, in the grand scheme of things, I have very, there, I have very few complaints about it. So I, I've I not think watched it yet, but how it. do they, okay. But how, how do they get over the fact that that's the second in the series? Do they, do they go back to talk about Stormbreaker? No, they, they, the only bits about Stormbreaker that they do are like the recruiting alex and the training stuff but the actual the actual story and the way because obviously in the book uh uncle ian is killed Mm -hmm. early on yes in stormbreaker and they basically just change it to make it part of the uh, point blank storyline as opposed to the stormbreaker storyline but it's done very very well and and honestly it has a lot of the game is on at the end. Well, I was going to say that. We're gonna, they... I think they, I hope that people watch it because I think it quality wise, it deserves more. I really, really firmly believe it deserves okay. more. And, but I'm scared that if nobody watches it, it's not going to. And that's well, don't worry. Really I'll, watch it, mate. Because... I'll watch it. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get it. Up. Nice. So, so on, you're saying on the my Amazon. On. Yeah. <laughs> That's it, the game is on. But the game is on piece is interesting because it's uh, ultimately the next one is Skeleton Key, is it not? It is, yeah. I mean, so I I don't know. They they will definitely not, even if this gets like a 10 season run, which it's not. Come on, let's be fair. It's not going to do every story. You know, there's a reason why they didn't do Stormbreaker. And it's because it's maybe a little bit too ridiculous. And it's, the, it's not a great story, they, is it? It's a bit, a bit bad. I mean, I liked it when I read it. Okay, I'm looking. It's, it's so, not. It's definitely not bad. I've just but googled. Point, point blank is point blank is a good story, and it's quite scary as well, actually, because it has like so I've just looked at clones the, and body doubles and things. It's weird. I've just Googled the Alex Ryder book series. You're right. There's been loads yep. of them in my absence. Yeah, yeah. But, but, yeah, yeah. But there's, the, there's so many. But the, 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 what I'm throwing at first is that the, the covers, I remember the book covers so, so well. I remember Skeleton Key had a shark on it. In this one, it's yeah. got a skull. Yeah. It's got like a, it's got a skill and a sickle and a hammer. Yeah, yeah. They had a, much like Harry Potter. Scorpius um, still got a scorpion. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how could you not? I mean, it's amazing. But yeah, th- there's actually only like I think three main entries into the Alex Ryder series that I've not read, and I'm genuinely considering just getting them on my kid- Kindle and having a read of them. Because you know, yeah, they're teenage Croc- books, but like you Crocodile know, tears. fuck it, like you know, I'm not, I'm not above that. <laughs> 
Oh yeah, yeah. I I I agree. I I I firmly get behind that. It's good if, if you enjoy it. It's good. Do it. Exactly, and I, I genuinely, you know, what? I might even start from the beginning. You never know, because you know these books are small enough. Like you know, if I have a full day, I could crack. If I, if, I have a, if I have a free day, and let me tell you, I don't have many free days at the moment. I'll, I'll tell you that for free. I, I could, I, I could crank one out. I could crank one out. That was two. There was two boasts in one sentence. There, I'm not free often, but if I was free, I could crack all these out. No bother. <laughs> yeah, no danger whatsoever. Right at the end of the Actually, day, I'm I saying really go watch this. this because it's good. Yeah. I've enjoyed this conversation. They, we we haven't bonded over these because I think the two of us, I think these books were out before we were really close friends. And I think we could have bonded over these and could have become friends much Possibly, quicker. We could have yeah. got rid of all that awkward, uh, awkward first meeting, the awkward first couple of dates, then bro- breezed the honeymoon stage, which we, 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 we went through yeah. very quickly. Uh, and now we're at the kind of... Um, I guess the sort of divorcee at the end of the marriage, we're only staying together for the kids sort of thing now, aren't we? And the kids being yeah, podcast yeah, listeners. Yeah. Where, so, you know, Absolutely. and I think Alex Ryder series could have just held that together. That, that could have been the, that could have been the glue that held this, that this relationship together, but instead it's withering and dying much like the plant that I've moved from the lounge to my bedroom. But see, but see now I'm bringing it, I'm bringing it back to the relationship. I'm trying. Right. Yeah. You're trying something new in the bedroom. You're bringing in a new yeah. partner. Yeah, absolutely. His Alex name's Ryder Alex. His na- and his name's Alex Ryder, and he's a 16-year-old schoolboy. <laughs> but but he's but he's an MI6 agent, so it's fine. That's right. He's with all of his gadgets and his toys. Absolutely, you gotta love those what a weird toys. Weird analogy that is. Yeah. You oh, you steered it down that nah, down the dodgy path. You don't mate. make it. Nah, I didn't make it sexual. Come on, mate. Yeah. Right, should I've should ha- I've had my piece. I've had my piece. I've had my piece. Do you have you got anything you want to say? Um, no. I was going to shout something rude, but no, done. I got I, great. I well, I think you've done that already. So <laughs> I watched something really interesting, but it will not be of any interest to the listeners. There, there's a. <laughs> I'm not even going to do it. I'm not even going to do it. Uh, I'm just leave I'm it then. Say, leave it then. Wrap us up. It. It's, no, no, I, I can't just leave it at that. Basically, there's there's an old there's a totally unrelated i'm looking at a map of our hometown by the way where we grew up uh, there's an old world war ii radar station near our hometown i watched a really interesting documentary on that that's what i've got from moving forward you're right nobody cares <laughs> you're you're right nobody cares what a stale note to end what the podcast they... on okay what do they have to do <laughs> You gotta get yourself onto Apple Podcasts. Give us a five star rating. Tell us what your favorite movie score is, or not. Either way, just write something. It really helps us out. Um, you can also listen to us on Spotify. Sorry, you, you, you want to get out in there. touch? I was, was going to show... be. Did I? We're, we're very out of sync. Our Wi-Fi is not doing great. Yeah, our Wi-Fi is out of sync. Oh right dear. I was on a roll. I was. I. I had gotten really? through Apple Podcasts. I had gotten through yeah. Spotify. I had gotten through the yeah. rating, the Check. writing, the Check. writing what your thing was, and I did it oh, so yeah. swiftly. And I was just about to ask you what the what the email was, and then you said, and, and then, then I blundered in like a drunk saying, man. You did, you did, and it was the most fluid I'd ever done. The ending, there was not a single pause in sight, and you ruined it. I hope you're happy. Well, I guess I'll have to listen. I guess I'll have to listen back onto the recording of that and kind of go, yeah, shit, I really did ruin that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Nice. Right. So, what's uh, the, what, did you tell what's them about the email, email if they want to get in touch? No, I was going to get you. Oh, yeah, that's my job. Okay. Yeah. Shit on it. Uh, the email, if you would like to get in touch, and we've had quite a few emails coming in over the last couple of weeks, um, has been uh, motionspod at gmail.com. Um, and I think I just wanted to, still to, is. to finish. It still is. Yeah, sorry. Um, and I think just just, just finish on, um, obviously last week they, there was a, we, we participated in, uh, in the, the hashtag blackout um, to share our views with, with the BLM movement. Um, and again, we, we had a, we've had some few, a few emails and stuff come through from that as well. Just um, I, I guess showing sharing their support as well with us and stuff. And I just wanted to thank everyone for that uh, and, and the positive feedback yeah, it means was really great from everyone. And, and obviously, it's 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 not we're it's not for us. We 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 put a lot of uh, links and everything in the descri- in the description for for that episode. I encourage you to go through and and, and look at some of the links and uh, and listen to some of the people because I, I think we 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 talked quite a lot about the people that we wanted to um, amplify and the voices we wanted to amplify and, and we we were very careful on who we chose and who we who we put on, onto that uh, very selection. And, and I encourage you to go back and, and listen to that. Uh, I, I listen to a statement. Also, also have a, uh, a read through some of those uh, amazing Twitter bios. Anyway, yeah. uh, do you know what you're going to do next week? I have a few ideas. Yeah, I, th- I think, do I you, think know? you know what I'm going to do. Yeah, I said I told you the sort of the few. Uh, I've I've kind of mapped. I've mapped. Oh uh, yeah, I know months. what you're doing. Oh, that's going to be a chore. <laughs> do you think? If it's the movie I'm thinking of, yeah, because I watched half of it last week and then I fell asleep because, oh, it's so tedious. Is it? Oh, God, yeah. I look forward to arguing with you next week, mate. What are we watching about? What what, what are we watching? Well, yeah, what are we talking about, <laughs> listeners? I wonder. It's the documentary right. on the old radar station near our home. Oh. <laughs> I'm two mentions is too, too many. <laughs> okay, everyone, thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye. All right, guys, ta-ta.